0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Sovereign Self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings, as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer and business facilitator Karen Murphy and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your Sovereign Self.
1: Welcome to Sovereign Self. I'm your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two fabulously divine and absolutely inspirational and insightful co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello to everyone, guys. Yeah, good evening, everyone.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: Yes, indeed, and welcome to the program. On this program, we are going to talk about negative thoughts. And it's not necessarily just negative thoughts, but it's it's where all of our negativity comes from and goes. And how do we deal with it? The question always is, is of course, where do our negative thoughts come from? Are they borrowed from what we've been taught, our parents, our fellow people? Everything we get told, or is it just something that comes up unbidden to us and makes us do things? I would say that negative thoughts come up in a thousand different ways through a thousand different reasons, and we'll get into some of them. But then you get into, with negative thoughts, you get into the whole victim consciousness, blaming somebody else, which leads to separation. And I think a lot of the cases. When we try and clear out of that, we have to go to self-blame and we don't want to go there. But why have we not moved forward? Why have our societies been so negative and blame others and all this negativity time and time again for centuries upon centuries? And one of the things there is I think it's it's an easy way to gain control is to make people victims. And we can see a lot of corporations and governments and religions might not have done that. And we can talk about that a bit as well but the other piece that comes in is low self-esteem it's this whole image of power and why is one person more important than another and that comes into the separation they're not really why in the end do we believe we're so weak and unworthy that we can't get out of this is it because we do not access the center of who we are which we always call love and our heart you know we've talked on the last program about everything is now all our lives. One of the things that could be happening is that, uh, and we believe is happening, is that we're beginning to clear a lot of what's going on in our energetic field and who we are with the whole current stellar activation cycles that are going on. So we can hopefully get into that a bit as well. But in the end, I would always say, love is the answer. Coming from your heart is the answer. But we keep the same old dramas going. Why can't we move to our heart? And that's the big question. Why can't we move to our hearts? And so with that, I'll throw it out there. Karen, do you want to say something, or Ron, whichever. Well, big topic
3: that you you've picked on tonight: the negative thoughts and actions, and certainly where they come from. Because as you said earlier, some of these could very well be coming from our immediate past history, where we have been taught certain things, and they've been heavily ingrained in us. And that it's almost like a, it's a, it's an onion. There are various layers sometimes to a negative thought pattern that you can begin to deal with it on the surface le- level. But as time moves on and you think you've resolved it, there it comes back again. Certain negative thought patterns are connected almost like a spider web to many other thought forms and thought patterns. So when you think you've dealt with one little thought pattern, and perhaps you have, the thought will then manifest in an entirely different situation because you haven't addressed the total experience of the thought. You've only addressed one little aspect of it. So in one sense, yes, these thoughts can come up over and over and over again. And then again, you also have to identify, are these thoughts mine or do they belong to somebody else? Mm -hmm. Many times we we carry over, especially – thoughts with regards to are not being good enough, for instance, from parents. Yeah. And they can be devastating because as a child, they're embedded into the psyche at, at an early age. And then by the time you desire you're going to want to address them, there has been years and years and years of overlapping layers of hiding the thought, of dealing with the thought, or just thinking that the thought is, is natural and that that's the way it's going to be. So the number of times you've repeated a negative thought, the way to heal it might be that you have to repeat the good thought over and over and over again.
1: True. And I think one of the things there too is is the whole society sort of set up to create this unworthiness in people Hmm. because look at our school system. You study something, you either studied it well and understood it or you pass or fail that test. And everyone is graded on that test. So someone who gets 100% is given praise. Someone who gives, gets 90, less someone, 80, less someone, 60, less someone. And so you're taught all your life that you either pass or fail through the silly little knowledge tests we get given through school. And yet I defy most of the people to be perfect in all courses. That's just not the way we're built. So to have someone sit there and go, oh, well, you're a failure in this, um so what what does that got to do with anything i excel at this shouldn't i be concentrating on that it's sort of like we geared everything to say we're a failure Mm -hmm. except for odd circumstances and so all our lives and that's just one example we're taught that we're not worthy because we only got 50 in that you know we're not we weren't good at algebra we weren't good at calculus yeah But, but we were great at biology and chemistry But no, because you didn't have the mass, then you're not good enough because you can't do this. And it it just loops around and loops around. And all it does is create in people an image of they're not good enough. And as soon as you begin creating all these images of you're not good enough, then that gets ingrained into you and you just think, well, no, I can never tackle that because I'm not good enough. And we hear it through religion. We hear it through governments. We hear it through so many things. All our neighbors, for instance. You may live in a neighborhood that says, you know, votes for political party A. But for some reason, you've looked at it all, and you would rather vote for political party B. Try and bring it up. You would be lambasted. You'd be criticized. You're told you're an idiot. You're everything else. So you Mm -hmm. shut up about it. But in your mind, you've gone through all the pieces, and you go, no, but this makes sense. Mm -hmm. But you don't dare bring it up. We're not only not given freedom of speech and freedom of thought. We're not given any respect by anyone else. Because you're taught you're a failure because you got 60 in that test. You're taught you're a failure because you have a different political idea. You're taught you're a failure because, and it goes on and on and on. So unless you give in, then you're not considered a failure. But in yourself, you know, you're only giving in because it's not what you believe. So what does that create in people? Uh (laughs) Talk about a
2: mess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that leads us into our usual topic of being self-sovereign. Yeah. And. I believe one of the things is that we don't trust enough in ourselves. Right. We don't trust enough in our beliefs. And we let all this external propaganda and stuff, for lack of a better terminology, yeah. come into play instead of just being quiet and just listening to what you know to be true. And we are often, I know from past experience and current experience, we don't listen to that. I can't speak for everybody else, but I don't listen to that enough. It's let that rest with you and resonate what really makes sense to you and stop letting all that other noise come in. To your point, Martin, believe in it. And know if if you believe in something That you should do this or this or that or the next thing. And all of a sudden, you hear all kinds of verbiage coming in saying, oh, that might not be correct. This might be the better way to go. This might be the alternative. We then start second-guessing ourselves. We have to remove the clutter.
1: I think it's fine to listen to people. It's just always sort it through by your heart and what your instincts are telling you.
2: Exactly.
1: And the reason I say go back yeah. to, go back to your heart and what's loving is because you may have a belief by the way you were raised that a certain type of people are not good. And it may be a historical war that happened between the two societies. It may be something that's happened in the neighborhood over the last 30 years. It may be a thousand different things people putting out there from a political point. And there's a certain set of people or sets of people you don't like. And I would say re-examine that because... One of the things that comes from that, of course, and that's what we, we mentioned earlier, it's we're being taught that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're being taught something that may not be true, but we accept it because everyone says it.
2: So let's not fall into that trap. Yeah. Just because let's, everyone
1: says it doesn't make it true.
2: <laughs> exactly. Let's go back to that concept and that we all talk about and I firmly believe in. What would love do in this situation? And if you apply that, as difficult as it is, it doesn't matter whether you're thinking about a work instance, a personal instance, it really doesn't matter. If you say to yourself, what would love do? That, if you actually concentrate on that, it will help you to remove, oh, goodness sakes, that was my ego. Hmm. I best toss that away. Oh, this is what I believe in. That makes sense. Oh, this is some input from someone else, which is valuable information and I appreciate that. Let me incorporate that. And now what would I do if I came from my heart center? Instead of just reacting or doing something that makes you feel like I'm doing it because it's what I wanna do, but I'm not gonna concentrate on anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where also do these thoughts come
3: from? I, as a, as someone that has been working on themselves now for, for, for quite quite a number of years, with regards to building the sovereign self identity that I've got, mm-hmm. I still will come home, for instance, from work, and if I've had a particularly rough day, and I've allowed someone to affect me in a certain way, I will come home and it's like rant and rave about being a victim. Yeah. Where is that coming from? Why? I'm still questioning why it is that I haven't dealt with that, and why is it that I'm continuing to have to deal with this year after year after year?
2: Ron, I've been asking that question for several months now, several years, in all of my 21 years old listeners. The question that I ask myself now, does it matter?
3: Well, it, it matters in the sense that if you have the thought, and it's most unpleasant, How do we develop the shield Mm. that will prevent us from uh, adopting thoughts, for instance, from the collective unconscious or the collective conscious? There are thousands and trillions of thoughts out there from uninvolved people that are flying through the airwaves that are so easily picked up by you and I.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is, how do I put this? A lot of it has to do with low self-esteem. Exactly. A lot of it has to do with what we've been taught is being powerful and being confident. And a lot of what we've taught about that is false, actually. A lot of people always go into an argument and they will get angry, they'll even come violent because they have to be right. And as soon as you feel you have to be right or you feel you've been wronged and you have to have some sort of revenge or want some sort of revenge. That's sort of where it tilts into that side.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And it is truly, I think, giving your power away. What I mean by giving your power away is that anyone that can make you angry, they've got control over you. Yes. And as soon as you let them make you, force, they don't force you, but you feel they force you to get angry, is what's really happening is you are getting angry, which is not good for you. You're worrying, you're getting upset, it ruins your whole day, everything else. But what people don't realize is you have a choice. You can say, I'm not going to let that affect me. It's the way they are. It's not how I want to be, but it is the way they are. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like observe the world, be of it, not in it. It it becomes a state where you have to go to and say, okay, I know they're unloving. I know they do all these things and they may not even be doing it consciously because that's the other trap people fall into. They believe people are doing it consciously. And I don't believe a lot of people are doing it consciously. Mm-hmm. It's the way they're taught to show that they're in power, they're worthy, they're right. Because that seems to be the only answer out there is everyone has to be worthy and right. And we all go down that route. I don't know anyone who doesn't go down that route. Once you start going down that route and you feel you, you have to be right or you're going to be insulted, so you get into argument and start pointing at the other people and what they're like, mm-hmm. it's just trying to pump you up against someone else.
2: So that's what what it all
1: comes down to. It's a circle of power.
2: Exactly, Martin. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So what if we went to a position of, and I throw this out there for conversation, what if we went to a position of, I am not feeling inferior. I am not feeling a lack of confidence. I am feeling confident. I know what I believe. I know what I need to do and then move forward in a perspective of what would love to do? Not vindictive, not I'll get you back, mm. I'm better than you, but what if you just stood back and said, what if I had none of those shields? Mm. What if I had none of that stuff as excuses? And I said, I am strong. Kind of in the words of Helen Reddy right? I am strong, I am invincible. What if you actually felt that way and did not use that in a controlling manner, but used it to be confident enough to come from your heart center? Mm -hmm. What would you do? And I wonder if that would change the outcome of some things. The
3: idea, of course, would be to begin to recognize exactly what you're saying there. And when the thought comes up and the emotion behind it comes up and it's unpleasant, Clearly there, there is something in your own thinking, for instance, that is in error. For and, sure. You know, for and sure. you need to go and change that. But the thing of it is, is once you change that, that's okay. But when you're in a team environment, for instance, and you're okay, you're doing your you're free of you know, the negative influences until somebody on your team falls behind and does something that you end up having to clean up. That's one of the situations, for instance, that I find myself in with regards to the team the team effort at in the work establishment that I work at, where there are certain people who are very different with the way they approach their own desks and whatnot. But then when they're not there, and I'm having to pick up their work, there are constantly problems with their desk. And it's triggering me those angry thoughts that why can't this guy just clean up his desk why do I have to be the one to clean up the mess and so in a team effort I'm not quite sure yet how to resolve that
2: situation and that's that's a very difficult one Ron I would think at the end of the day from my perspective I look at it as who's holding whom accountable yes. and if we are working in an organization that is not holding people accountable then we need to probably at some point in time, over time, take a look at what that looks like. So accountability is a huge proponent of moving this forward. If people are not accountable, then where do we go from here? I okay, know and that's so it, hold it, them accountable. And it, if you can't hold them accountable, who can? The the team
3: mentality at work is just one aspect. What about the whole humanity as a whole. We, well, if we have don't have going in one direction and people going in the other direction. How do you allow those and not be influenced by those who choose to go in the different direction that you're going in?
2: Well, I think you let them go in whatever direction yes. they want to go in because we are yes. we have yes. free will. That, yes. But will I engage in a community or environment that does not? Hold people accountable. I have been there, done that, and it's not pretty. No. <laughs> you know it never it never ends well. I can like tell you that it never ends well.
3: In my own personal environment, I'm at that point now where there are many there are people who have in my past left my space because of which, in which direction I am going. I have not stopped them from doing that, but because I have not had a control issue. There was no need to hold on to these people if they were going in an opposite direction. They just disappeared from my life. Right. Not, the the same thing cannot be said in a work environment where where yeah. people have to work with each other, whether you're thinking this way or this way.
1: Yeah, here's the thing on that. There is really only, I think, two choices. One is if... You're in a work environment where other people aren't carrying their own weight, which I've been in, and had to do it. You either recognize that you can do it and you did it and just let it go because they're not changing. And just be happy with yourself because you did it for the betterment of all, whether other people recognize it or not. You just have to be happy within yourself that you did it rather than get angry at it because you had to do it. And the other piece is if it's so pervasive and it's so unworkable, the other answer is obviously move on. Move on. There's the two. Mm -hmm. You either accept it and don't let it get under your skin because you know you're doing the right thing and you just keep going. Right. Or you let it go. Now, Karen brought in the third part about trying to change it. Now, that can be a possibility, but I know in some places and some workforces that's just not a possibility because people in charge won't go there
2: yeah when I say that, Martin, i got to tell you that what I'm talking about is changing who you are, if you so desire. We don't have the authority or ability to change anybody. It has to be but something they want to do.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. And here's the thing about changing people. People change if they want to change, right. dead on. Are you hitting a person that won't change because they won't listen to anything? then it's like a brick wall. But are you dealing with people that slowly over time change? Okay. Or are you dealing with people that you can talk to and they listen and see the reason or give you reasons back as to why not? Because it goes both ways. So you have all of these mixes, but in all the, all the from the black to the white and all the grays in between, it gets to a point where you take a stance and just say, okay, I'm going to do it. It's better than for all. I'm not, I know I'm doing the right thing fine, I'm happy because I've done the right thing. Or if it's so bad that you can't do it and you can't keep up with it and it's just impossible, then that's the point where I've usually said time to move on. Mm. Uh, you don't have to be static where you are. Hmm. So there there's many answers to that. The, the, the problem is that it comes down to the person's choice and decision. Do you want to stay there and live with that or can you live with that? or is it a part of that you don't want to just do it and know you've done it well and, and leave it? Yeah. Because sometimes that's not the answer because it's too overwhelming.
2: Well, if <laughs> so, it part of, part of would, yeah, part of me would ask myself how can someone bring someone else along in the process? So if it feels like you're at a roadblock in in a situation at work, Is there a way, is there a mechanism, is there something you can say or do or relate to that will move them to a different plateau where you can find a common ground and then find a bit of a more mutual solution to something?
1: Here's the thing with that. That's true, but again, we always go back to are they willing to change?
2: That's the point.
1: And well, if, if they're, they're not,
2: they're not. I they're mean, not, cars, not. hey, right. you don't they're get not. to change anybody else.
1: But there's You a lead a
3: horse to water, but you can never make it. Yeah,
1: Right. But here's the other point on that. We can always ask for solutions. Yes. Ask for what the right solution is. Mm-hmm. And it may not be changing anyone or convincing anyone. It may be, here's an opportunity, move on. Or it may be, here's an opportunity, you can influence that person. And it could be a thousand things. But if you just put out there and ask... And let the intuition move you, you'll get an answer. And it may not be always an answer we like, because we we usually get set in what we want to do.
2: Well, sure. I mean things get comfortable, right, Martin?
1: But if you yeah, but I always go back to if you go to your heart, ask the universe, and just listen for the answers, you will always get the right answer. May not be always a path that makes sense to you, but just follow it and it'll get you where you need to go. A lot of times we're moving into our mind and we're trying to Change things the way we think they should be changed. But yeah. that's not always the answer at all.
2: Exactly. And how do I make Johnny do things exactly the way Karen would like them done? Yeah. Because that would make Karen happy. Yeah. That's yeah. irrelevant. No, it really
3: that's, is. That's truly the ultimate control issue there. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and so I mean I, ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I was probably one of the worst people for that. <laughs> <laughs> trying to oh, get people Martin, to change, I've it was like, oh, you. I would argue and fight.
2: Oh, uh, Martin, I've worked with you in the past. You weren't that bad. Oh, <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> you
1: weren't that bad. No, just, I, instead of it being 100% there, I was 99.8% there. There's the whole thing, getting back into the, the negative thoughts and society. I think it still goes back to it's all image of low self-esteem and power. How do we work with people who are not taking responsibility, not showing respect to others. And how do we deal with those people in day-to-day life? Because we're surrounded by them in a lot of ways, in a lot of places. It really, it goes back to being your sovereign self again. It's allowing, and I think going to the heart and asking, where do I move from here? Where's the best place to move to? As opposed to trying emotionally or mentally figure it out. I tend to want to go to there, there first, and I'm learning not to go there first, mm-hmm. from a mental aspect.
3: But, you know, with regards to
1: the victim-victimizer mentality, mm.
3: that is probably one of the most pervasive oh, yeah. mental problems oh, that, Ron, that we have.
1: You yep. have a good explanation on all that. Keep working on that. I know you have a good <laughs> insights on victim consciousness. So go ahead.
3: <laughs> and it's just a thought, folks, with regards to where I'm about to go here. But I have noticed with regards to victim-victimizer that there are many people who don't want to change their victimhood that they feel comfortable being the victim. Because if you go and tell them that they create their own realities, which we do, then they have to acknowledge the fact that they are creating the circumstances which is actually victimizing them. They are behind that. Most people don't want to acknowledge that fact because they fear that they're probably not going to be good enough or they won't know how to resolve that issue, that they will simply be overwhelmed with regard to the responsibility of taking control and taking complete responsibility for the situation. It can be a very frightening thing. And and I'm I'm also looking at the the whole concept of karma, uh, the traditional understanding of karma, which is associated with reincarnation. And with the fact that reincarnation, how in some of these cultures, karma is set to work, is that if in this lifetime, for instance, there I'm playing the victim and I'm really good at it in this lifetime and a friend of, well, a friend or an acquaintance of mine is playing the victimizer. We may have gone through various lifetimes together and each lifetime we may flip roles. This lifetime I'm going to be playing the victim and this other person will play the victimizer. In the next role, and the next life, we'll switch roles. With the idea that eventually your soul begins to understand that and when the spark of reincarnation happens again, hopefully you're going to learn and you're gonna choose something different. But I'm looking at the the fact that this whole victim-victimizer mentality has been with us in this time matrix for over 450 billion years. We've, in fact, the human race was originally created over 560 million years ago as a species that was supposed to assist in healing this victim-victimizer mentality, and I call it a virus, this mm-hmm. victim-victimizer mentality that has been plaguing us for so long. And I'm looking at it going, today we still are engaged in this, mm-hmm. even more so than ever before. So why is it that with the concept of karma and the hope behind karma being that you learn from past experiences and past lives, Why is it that we're still playing the victim-victimizer? Clearly, the the understanding isn't being transposed from one lifetime into the next.
1: And I'll say what I said in the introduction. It it goes to control Mm -hmm. and power. So anyone through history generally who's been in control of a section of society or society or corporation or religion or what have you, they've all had the power and the authority. They love the power and authority. Yes. But they love to wield it over other people and they're making them victims through fear and other things they play. So if our societies have always said, well, the only way, when you look at people who get into power, the problem is we're offset by looking at people who get into power and going, well, if I want to get into power, then I have to play that same game. So I have to step on people. I have to be better. I have to turn them out and say, You know, they did this, blame them. I have to be the one that moves up that ladder to gain control and then play everyone else by fear. We may, on an individual basis, go through the lifetimes and recognize that that's a fault. But on the bigger basis of society, we haven't recognized that it causes us endless problems to allow that to go to the societal end of things, the the hierarchy.
3: You know, and I'm also wondering... With the concept of victim-victimizer, the victim is obviously going to suffer a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. The victimizer, however, given the fact that he's got all of this power mm-hmm. and can do anything that they want, mm-hmm. the addictive rush that mm-hmm. they must get from that must be so potent. Why would you want to even give that up?
1: Yeah. Part of the problem is at the center of who we are, our heart center, our center of love, we know intuitively that it's a connection to great power, and it's who we naturally are.
3: Yes, we, but, uh, but but here's he, the
1: thing: we we don't go there, so we've substituted that feeling of power with doing it this way.
3: But it, I also find it's extremely, extremely rare that someone with this kind of power is actually speaking or listening to their heart. They're not. No, that's
1: that's what I mean. The true power ultimate power to free us all and to make us expand is through the heart and through love.
2: Well, don't we all have the same power? Well, t- typically, ultimately, yes.
1: Ultimately, but in, in our society,
2: we, the way it's played.
1: We, no,
3: we we still don't have the power over our governments, for instance.
1: We, we give our power away.
3: Constantly, but we don't what? have to. What? No, but it, the way we have our society set up, I mean, just think of it. If you were deciding to say, I'm not going to vote. In this next election, in, in voting, I'm giving my right to self-determination away completely, which is is logical. But then we've got so many other people going, but then you have, you know, the way society is, then if you don't vote, you have nobody else to blame if the entire society is down on you. It's your right to have to, to vote. The way that we have society set up with its do's and don'ts, and you must toe the line type of thing. It's not an easy journey becoming your sovereign self in a society that expects you
2: to give up your power. I agree with that, Ron. Yeah. I'm just saying we all have power. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Power of ourselves.
3: But you have to believe that you have that power. Yes. That's my point.
1: You can only get it from coming from the heart. You won't get it by trying to step on other people. But stepping on other people and showing yourself to be in other people's eyes at that moment, because they all fall into the trap, superior by doing that, it gives you that boost of power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a false power. It's not the same as coming from the heart. But here's the thing, you know, when people say you should vote or you're part of the problem, mm-hmm. I always look at that and go, well, what happens if the only people you can vote for are both part of the problem? Yes. So you're voting in someone who's part of the problem, so why should I support that?
3: The lesser evils.
1: Yeah again, it's being self-sovereign. If I don't want to vote, and let's say just say, I mean, I know I've always voted, but if I didn't want to vote, I would certainly take no criticism from someone else for not voting, because that's not their call.
3: You know what's also interesting? We have more than likely with the number of lives each of us has, has had. We have played both sides of the fence. You've had to in, in a world or a time matrix that has, you know, op- polar opposites. Mm-hmm. In order to gain the full fullness of the, the entire experience of being incarnate, you choose. We've all got lives that we're not very happy about and that we were probably supreme victimizers in some of these lives. I suspect that it's easier to find the heart when you're the victim and you're induced, you're, you're suffering and you're in pain mm. and you're recognizing that to inflict pain on others because you're feeling it mm. is not going to be the answer. So I think the part of you that plays the victim is more likely to learn from the experience than the part that plays the victimizer where there is no heart involved and yet they're getting a mad rush from being able to control you and inflict pain. They have no empathy. They don't feel the pain that they're causing others. They can't allow themselves to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it would destroy them. So this is one of the things that I see with people who are in power that go all the way up the ladder. They've almost become psychotic with regards to their inability to feel what they do to others.
1: Right. They they absolutely feel nothing so in them.
3: that case, how is it that you could possibly learn? You don't want to take away that rush of control and almost like a sexual addiction. You're getting such a high from it that, and even though this high is not normal, or it might be normal, but it's not natural, let's put it that way. Mm.
1: It's false, yeah.
3: Yes. You're not going to want to change that. There's no impetus. There's no motivation for you to want to let go of that.
1: From that end, yes. From that end. And the the other end of the problem is, of course, that if you're a victim, you can be pushed so far. But society also tells you, you have the right to justice. Yes. But in people's mind, justice and revenge are the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so they want to go out and, and kill the person or harm the person or do whatever because they're so angry because they harm them.
3: Oh, yeah, and I think a number of lives where you're the victim, eventually, in my understanding at least, eventually you will try all of those answers, but if as a victim, if you allow your rage to set in and you strike out and you kill the other person and you're still stuck with feeling the horrible, Rage and that it hasn't healed. Hopefully, you will have learned that going down that road is also not an answer, and eventually, you will come to open the heart. Yeah.
1: Negative thoughts of any sort to me are really just there to have us make a choice. Is that who you want to be, or is that who you do not want to be? And you need to honestly look at that every time. And that's hard to do because you just jump into it so easily. But you really have to begin thinking about it and saying, okay, do I really want to become like them? And you know we've heard that story endlessly. If you go ahead and do that, you'd be no different than they are. Right. That is true, but it doesn't seem to stop people. It doesn't stop them because they've got so emotionally caught up, they won't look, they won't think. And when you get emotionally caught up, you don't think. Nothing engages, just your, your emotions. You have to get it early. You have to look at what people do and say, Is that who I want to be seen as? Is that who I want to be? And you have to do that at the small level and work your way up. So you become more aware and you look at people and say, is that really who I want to be? And once you decide that it's not who you want to be, then you can take it outside and look at people you might vote for or everything else and going, do I really want to vote for someone like that? And then you can make your choice, no or yes. Or find someone who is more worthy in your eyes of that stance and vote for them. -hmm. Even if they may not win, because it's amazing how things can change on that level. And it all comes from within. If you don't change yourself, nothing else will change. Right. It all comes back to, again, being your sovereign self. You have to be your sovereign self, not give your power away, not become a victim. Because if you're a victim, you're certainly not being your sovereign self. And that's the whole point of it all is when you become your sovereign self, you can look at it, how is the right word, dispassionately. So mm-hmm. you don't get passionate about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but you can look at it reasonably and from your heart and go, Ah, okay, I see where they're coming from. I recognize how they feel that power really empower you know makes them pumped up, but it's not who I want to be. Right. And as soon as you do that, when you be talk to your friends, when you talk to coworkers, when you become a mother or father, and you start relaying that to your children, it's the only way we'll change the world, instead of falling into the same old traps and doing the same thing over and over again.
3: Now, there's another thought here that I earlier had met, I had talked about with regards to the concept of karma and the Eastern philosophy of reincarnation, where you have one life and then you reincarnate into the next life, hopefully a little bit wiser. The new thought, of course, in today's new spirituality is the understanding that we all live our lives simultaneously so that all of our lives are lived concurrently. Everything is lived, being lived right right now. So it's like, well, then the whole concept of a linear understanding of evolution is a moot point. It, it doesn't make sense in a in a, um, in a situation where you're living all your lives at once. How do you learn from all of your lives all at once? And one of the things the Freedom Teachings had suggested was that the DNA that I have in my physical body, my DNA is also the same DNA that all of my other concurrent lives are a part of. So we're, we all share the same DNA so that we can actually assist one another with regards to the evolution of thought and the evolution of the physical body. The whole concept, however, of the stellar activation cycle is. That with a stellar activation cycle and one and and our stellar activation cycle commenced in January of 2000. This was the first stellar activation cycle that the planet's core frequencies was raised high enough that the actual stellar activation cycle or ascension cycle actually caught on. It clicked in. We have not had a stellar activation cycle for over nine Uego cycles. A Uego cycle is 26,556 years. So we haven't had an ascension cycle for over 210,000 years. The human race on the planet today, we are considered, according to the Freedom Teachings, to be in the third seeding of the human race. There were two other seedings in our history of incarnating on this planet, which began about 25 million years ago, that didn't bode so well. And our third seeding, which started about 80,000 years ago, with our introduction to with Lemuria, for instance, in the Pacific Ocean, and then eventually into Atlantis in the Atlantic Ocean, our human species has never actually experienced a stellar activation cycle ever in this particular seeding of the human race. Something amazing is happening with you and me and Karen and everybody else right now in that this particular incarnation is receiving the energies of a stellar activation cycle, which none of our other parallel lives or concurrent lives are exposed to. So it's this particular life that can learn the most. In fact, this is the particular life that can actually ascend if we choose to. So the amount of healing that this particular life can offer not only to ourselves, but if we share a DNA with all of our other past and future lives, all of our concurrent lives, then we can also heal those other lives simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at this going, well, it's perhaps some of these negative thought patterns that I keep regurgitating over and over again, thinking maybe that I, I should have healed them. Maybe they're not particular to this particular life, but could be particular to adjacent lives that I'm choosing to assist.
1: Yeah, I can see where that can make sense, certainly. Karen, do you want to add anything on all that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll just let you keep going.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. I'll give a little exercise that sort of talks to that.
2: Okay. If
1: you picture yourself and all of your past lives as being all on one line of light and see that you're above, so you're above this line of light, and yet you give it, a beginning and end just below you if you move along in thought along any point of all your lives this life and all the other ones and if you just move along and think about what may be occurring on that point in the line even if you don't know where you are on the line from that perspective you will get a sense at some point along the line that something there is not right yeah something's not good yeah. like it's unloving it's whatever if you send a beam of love your love to that point in that line of light as another line of light Mm -hmm. and send your full love to it to heal whatever was going on at that time it's interesting that you will note that something will shift in you you will then probably get a better picture of what you just shifted in your life or your past life so there is a way that you can use this to change your past when i mentioned i think in a former program that i'll talk Mm -hmm. about sort of time travel in a different way than people think You can always send your love and your healing energy to any point of yourself in any lives, this life, or wherever. If you just picture where it might be needed most and just feel for those spots, you don't even need to know where they are. You can send healing, love, light, and energy from you to that, and it will start healing it. And because it heals it at that point, it will heal it all the way forward, because it's all one. So you can do that. And even if you remember spots in your life that you have to get over, if you just send healing, light, and energy to it, You can begin to heal that as well. And you'll notice that when you do it on things you are aware of in your life, that they begin to dissipate and become non-important. They don't bring up that emotional trigger all the time. You can actually send your divine love and, and light to any point in all of that you are. And all you need to do is focus and think about those spots which may need it and send it to them. You don't even need to know what they are. And you can begin healing yourself bit by bit that way. And it's interesting when you do it because you will notice that things change, as I said. And you may be able to figure out what was going on or what's happened because of how it's changed to get a better feel for it. That's another way you can actually change your timeline. And I hate putting it that way. You can actually change now because you're all now, in the now, by doing that. And that's to me is what someone once explained: the true travel in time. You can change anything about yourself at any point, and and that's an interesting exercise because it actually does help. I've used it and and I found it an awful lot.
3: Then, what are some of the things that we can do in order to continue bringing us back into our heart center, as -hmm. you know, Karen likes to talk about? So, what are some of the things that we can do that that would actually be the shield?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay,
3: because in a lot of cases, yes you can immediately forgive yourself, you know, and a lot of times, and reach for where are these thoughts coming from? Are they mine? Or are they someone else's that I've adopted? Right. If you've adopted it, that you have the choice to send it back to where it originated from. But forgiveness, I know, is one of the main things we need to continue to forgive ourselves for our judgments and our trespasses on others. Because it can be the victim victimizer mentality can come up and so quickly and pervasively Mm -hmm. that you might already be halfway into an act before you recognize that you're
1: doing it one of the major things there is as we always say coming from your heart and building your heart center and love to be bigger in the now all the time and i'll throw that out to you karen because you always have good stuff on how do you grow your center of love what Mm -hmm. can you do what do people do to grow their center of love and I know you do a lot, so I'll let you ramble on about <laughs> I
2: will, I'll try not to ramble. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> be true to yourself. My sense is for me, what I do to ground me is a meditation. Yes. And meditation takes so many different forms. It's not about hamana, 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 hum <laughs> so often. It might be just being with yourself, being with your mind, being with your heart, just feeling that silence and moving forward. The second thing is ask. Ask whatever it is you happen to believe in, whether it be God, Buddha, whatever it happens to be, ask for help because help is always there. Let it resonate with you. It doesn't come, at least for me, it's never come in a big sign, neon sign. It says, Karen, this is what you should do. (laughs) Although I wish it would sometimes. It's never that blatant, but it is very clear. If you can unclog your mind, if that makes any sense at all to our listeners, unclog your mind, if that means walking in the woods, taking a Swim, yes. a bath, cooking, cleaning, gardening, whatever it is that helps you to de stressify, embrace that.
1: Yes. Even you said a lot of that's form of meditation. Yeah. So when you ask, you clear your mind in whichever way it works, and it'll start coming to you a little clearer, and thoughts will come to you. Don't ignore the thoughts
3: exactly yeah so get involved in nature nature has a wonderful way to heal so be take a walk and go be with nature
2: whatever yeah. whatever works for you if it's yeah. nature if it's art if it's public speaking whatever singing
1: yes
2: yeah. listening yeah. to music yes yeah
3: that's another one of mine My music is for me is the great equalizer a lot of times i will begin to listen to music at night i'll turn everything off and i you know 2 hours later all of the woes of that day have been resolved
2: exactly there are no rules it's whatever resonates with you as an individual
0: yeah and And i also
2: i was just going to say i also find that if
3: you practice detachment enough then when you do have a thought and you begin to sense that you're going to add emotion to it adding the emotion to a, a negative thought will only compound it tremendously and will make it even that much more difficult to detach from it. Yeah. So watch where your emotions go. Your emotions should indicate to you whether you're going to create and expand on a problem or whether it, you're going to be able to diminish it.
1: Like Karen said, you're walking in the woods or whatever works for you, yeah. will help you stay away from letting those negative emotions take over you because the surroundings are so calming to you. Yes, natural. Yeah, natural. And then moving on from that, Karen, what about doing things, kindness, paying it
2: forward? Mm. My heart goes to give gratitude. Mm. Always be thankful for what Whatever is before you, I was actually, I actually will share this with our listeners. I was out for an amazing evening last night with my daughter and I walked out of the theater. We were seeing a show, obviously. A gentleman walked up and he said, I am homeless. Do you have any money? And my daughter looked at me as I started to search through my purse and I'm not sure what exactly she was thinking. Nor does it matter, except that this gentleman then said to me, a song comes through my voice. And I guess the only way to explain it is that I think this gentleman was sincerely homeless and sincerely going through some challenges. And a song came into his mind and he started to sing it. He was very coherent. He was not, not within himself, but I felt compelled that this man was genuine. In my heart, it felt like if he spends his money on something that is useless, that's his choice. My choice is to give and to help. And I think that's where we have to kind of put our compassion to. We don't always make the right choices, but at the end of the day, if you come from your heart center and you're not doing it for any other reason, you're not giving it to get something back you're not giving it for kudos, you're not giving it for a gold star, you're giving it because you actually feel it's genuine, then go with it. You may not always be right, but I'm guessing, and I'm pretty confident, that nine times out of ten, you're right.
1: I think you'll always be right, actually, because it's like anything we get in life. It's not up to us to decide decide how you're going to use the ten bucks I gave you. If your grandmother's nice and she comes by one day and gives you a $50 bill, she doesn't demand how you spend it. Exactly. She gives it to you out of the kindness of her heart. And if you go out and spend it on bad food and everything else and all this stuff, well, so be it. It's a gift. Just give it. And don't judge and don't make an imagined reality out of what they're going to use it for. So you make an excuse of not to give because then that's going to, there's not enough. And you're going to this whole mantra of, Lack. And as soon as you move your mind to you don't have it to give and you have lack in your life, that's all you create in your life. So giving to people like that actually brings it back to you. I forget who said it, but someone said the best way to make money, and he was a multimillionaire many times over, said is to throw it away.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, he, and people looked at him and he said, I don't literally mean throw it away, but he said, give it wherever you can and make sure it's always in flow. And whether that's people in need, don't go to the judgment and imagined reality that they're not going to use it for that i live in a downtown area and there's people outside who are always asking for money and i usually give them some a lot of neighbors get after me they usually say to me well you know they're just going to use it on drugs or alcohol and this and that and i said well you know they do have to eat so my portion of the money went to the food Mm -hmm. and that's the way i look at it and i don't really care (laughs) <laughs> like you're, well, you're, also, you're,
3: you're not judging what they're going to do. You're simply offering them an opportunity that, yeah, they might go ahead and buy drugs, right. but then
2: again, they might use it for something beneficial.
1: Exactly. We don't know. It's a if, reality. If
2: we, if we think of it in a positive perspective, and it's interesting because my daughter and I had this conversation because, I, as I said, she looked at me kind of bewildered, like, mom, you're actually searching through your purse looking for money. And I did. And the gentleman thanked me. And he had his wherewithals. He was simply in need, period. And we got into the car and she said to me, and I I quote, mom, I don't often give money to people on the street, but I want to tell you about a story. And she was out, they had been to a restaurant and she had leftovers. And she had a packet of leftovers that you come back from the restaurant with. And she came across somebody who was living on the street And the person asked her, you've got leftovers. Might I ask if you would give those to me? And she was thrilled. The weird thing was she was thrilled because she felt like she was giving this person food and not giving them money to do something that would not help them to move to their next spot. She said, mom, I felt really good about, yeah, these are my leftovers and I'm so happy that you asked me for food and not money because I never know where the money's going to. And I'm more than happy to help you. So interesting perspective.
1: Yeah. It's good for anyone to do anything they can to help others. That's that's what it comes down to.
2: And we can't judge what they're using it for. We just no. got to do what's right in your heart. Right. One of the other things that it actually assists you with is the
3: belief in scarcity.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That when, yes. you're, when you yourself are low on funds, grandmother would always say, that's the actual time when you need to be giving it.
1: Yeah, keep it in flow, because it flows back.
3: That's right, what but, you said, so cool. we'll that will come
1: back. Because money money is just energy.
2: That's right,
1: So exactly. when you keep it in flow, yeah. it flows back to you, yeah.
2: I, I firmly believe at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you come from, except that you come from your heart center. What would love do in this moment? So as we've talked to at this program of where are you perplexed? What are you thinking about? What are you doing? What is your challenges with work? What are there challenges with perhaps homeless people? Whatever that looks like. Yep. What would love do? And follow your heart. You will be so inspired.
1: Yes, and as you said, Karen, meditate, open up. And ask, ask and ask. wait for answers because they will come. Yes, they won't be as you said, bright big neon signs going, yeah. "Do this, do this, do
2: that." I wish, I wish.
1: But they can be. I won't say that. That's not impossible. I've been there, and it has happened, but yes. it's not often. But usually, it's, it's something that comes to you. And go, oh, wonder if that would work. You but know, it's what, that type of you can, uh, for me anyway. So it's the type of thing that just leads you there. <laughs>
2: and, and Martin, that's a great segue into. When you ask, be open, be open to watch all of those ways in which you will be responded to Mm -hmm. because they may not be as blatant as I would like.
3: No. Karen,
2: do this. Or watch this. Martin, do this.
3: Or watch how it is you expect the answer to come to you. When you think it can only come in one certain fashion, you've completely limited how the universe can actually respond to you yeah exactly
1: and i know i mentioned it before as a friend of mine did you could be out for a walk and you're thinking about things and you're going on and then come home turn on the television and the next program gives you the answer you need for what they're portraying
2: yeah, yeah. it
1: like, didn't happen during the walk and the meditation it happened as soon afterwards when you got home and wham right in the face <laughs> about, and let's so say,
2: it's let's about it's, it. martin is good point it's about being aware and i do encourage our listeners ask, ask for help, because help is there. Yeah. But be aware of the symbolism and the thoughts and the things that will present themselves in a myriad of ways.
1: Yeah. Now, before we go any further, we are unfortunately again at the end of the program.
2: Oh gosh, no. So
1: yeah, we're there again. So on that, I just want to thank everyone once again for listening in and i know we rambled over a lot of things this program and i hope you listen to them and think about the problems that may be similar in your lives and think about how a good way to move forward with them is never forget to give gratitude never forget to ask and never forget to come from your heart and on that i hope you all have a absolutely fabulous week
2: yes have a wonderful week everyone much love to all of our listeners
0: Thank you for listening to The Sovereign Self. We will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your Sovereign Self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash Sovereign Self. See you next week.